Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Excel Radio's Ask the Expert. Brought to you by Beckshot Photography and Video. It's your story. Make it awesome. For more information, go to Beckshot.com. Now, here's your host. Stone, how are you doing? I am doing well, man. It's been a while since we've been in, but we're back on track now. But we're missing a couple of things here. What are we missing? He didn't say anything about Robert, our co-host, Robert Mason from EXP. Hi, Robert. Y'all left me out that time. <laughs> First I heard it. <laughs> we did some edits and something went missing. And the other is, it ain't Beckshot anymore. Well, now that's true. That I knew. The, the rebrand is well underway, so we'll be breaking out new, new logos and new intros and everything pretty soon for Studio Linza. The, the uh, orange-headed stepchild of Beckshot. All right. Fantastic. And how was the hunt you were just on? It was marvelous. Uh, harvested an eight-point and set to processor now. I like that term, harvested. And there's some out there for both of us, right. Mr. He, Beck. He, he asked if I wanted him to bring some. Yeah. And I was like, Have, do you know me yet? You, you think you're going to hurt my feelings offering me fresh kill? Yeah. I mean, come no. on. No, you're not a vegetarian. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. Today... Uh, interesting show today. We have brought in Mr. Mark McKenzie, the unofficial mayor of Atlanta today. Mark is a, a printer in Atlanta. He's going to tell us more about that. He's also the king of the networking circuit. Hi, Mark. How are you? You know, Randall, th- I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me. Stone, it's always a pleasure to see you and, and recapture some of yeah. the connections we've missed over the past, what, 15 years. But uh, it's always a pleasure. And I get to meet Robert. Ah. So life is good. Well, let's jump right in. Let's start off. Um, tell us about your business and you know where you're coming from. You've been around Atlanta a while, at least 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, about, um, about probably 48 years. Tell, uh, us, tell us the story. So uh, we're a second-generation family-owned business. I work with uh, three brothers uh, in the business. It's a family-owned business, and uh, it is a printing business. We started out as a traditional quick printer a franchise and about 28, 22 years into it, we got out of the franchise and changed our name to DocuMax digital printing. And what franchise was it? We were a quick print, quick print franchise, Q U I K seen them around. Yeah. It's a, it's been a long time since they've been around. They, they, there's still a few uh, franchisees that are still in business, but the franchise is non-existent anymore. So, uh, but so we basically were traditional printers, doing, you know, everything from letterhead, uh, envelopes, business cards, marketing and branding material, as well as functional forms and documents, uh, documents that you use every day, invoices uh, to bill your clients' statements, things like that. But a lot of that has become digital printing or digital in the aspect that it's actually not printed anymore. It's actually done digitally. So, Are you using the old DocuTech machines? You know, uh, no, they're... They're old dinosaurs. Uh, you can't even use them for paperweights anymore. Wow. So, uh, but uh, they Is that have the one with the crank that makes the purple, <laughs> purple uh, page. Where the stone comes yeah. down and goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, DocuTechs were big in the nineties. I used them quite a bit. Yeah, and and that is so. The Xerox basically had the market on digital printing early on, and uh, they basically let it kind of slide away. Uh, but we are a digital printer. We use digital printing devices, basically high end. Copy equipment is really the best way to describe it. Uh, they put toner on paper as well as ink on paper. So we use wide format 
uh, printers as well to, to print posters, banners, and uh, labels, you name it. Uh, so being a, a printer, uh, you know, I went to college and took graphic arts to learn printing, and uh, everything I learned in college basically is uh, the way of the dinosaur. So it's basically evolved over the years. It's changed dramatically, and it's all about providing value and service to your customers that need brand and image products. We were just having a conversation the other day with somebody. Um, we were talking about our – both of us have MBAs. We were talking about having the MBA. Of course, his was a lot newer than mine. Mine was 92. And I made the point. I said, you know, practically everything I studied is obsolete at this point. I mean, we were still – we were doing big financial analysis with those IBM mainframes with punch cards right? in, in the 90s, right? And not that there weren't other kind of computers, but that was still the, the large company standard. Well, we, we all know that's gone by the wayside right. too. And so, um, I mean, it was good to get a bunch of marketable skills and be able to educate yourself now, which I, I do a lot. But, but uh, probably should actually go back and do some refresher courses, you know, just to – get up on the new techniques and the new terminology. It's just gone. It's but don't different. you think that goes for just about every I imagine so. I imagine there's a shelf life to an education, yeah. yeah, no matter what you do. I mean, I was yeah, a unless, real estate major. You're doing I'm left- still using that, but really yeah. does it matter? Well, I mean, unless you you studied you know, left-handed basket weaving, there's yeah. probably a li- shelf life to everything, you know? English, yeah, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that uh, entrepreneurship is one thing that's lacking in education, and it's – basically teaching people how to be entrepreneurs, how to sell their product and their, their services. That really is probably more important than learning how to uh, do your financial. Uh, financials are very important, but learning how to add and subtract is basically how to communicate with others and the best way to communicate with others. And mm-hmm. the way to communicate with others is deliver where they want to be. And that means if they want printing, then deliver printing. If they want a web page, deliver the web page. But you can also use printing to direct them to that web page. So it's all about being where your customer wants to buy or purchase. And that's the important part of anything in communications, whether it's video, print, real estate, all those things. And it takes a while. And my MBA was on the job training and losing thousands and thousands of dollars by making mistakes. <laughs> but when you realize that the value you provide is being able to communicate with your customers and provide them with opportunities to increase revenue, whether it be through video or print or real estate, those are, that's how you uh, succeed in life. And that's not necessarily taught it. And, primary, high school, college, uh, your MBA programs. Yeah, so. we, now we know what MBA stands for in your case. <laughs> Mark's better than anybody. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I always like to go to philosophy, and you kind of started talking philosophy there just for a minute. But the thing – here's something that really interested me, Robert. You don't know this. I have a friend named David Lopez, from another guy I know from the, from the uh, networking circuit. And he was working for a company, and he had a couple of opportunities come his way he was trying to assess. One of them was to get involved in the printing business. And he's like, I was like, I can't help you make that decision, but I know somebody who can. So I connected David and Mark, and Mark gave him a lot of good advice. So David now, he owns Buck Blue Printing over in Roswell, about 10 minutes from your house, I think. 
And uh, not to be confused with Buck Bullo. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Tell me about this. Why are you enabling your competitors? Uh, first of all, I don't know when that competitor might want to sell me their company or buy my company. Uh, but the other thing is, is I don't have every piece of printing equipment out there to provide services to all my clients' needs. So understanding what they do and do well, if my customer has a project that I cannot produce in-house, I have a vast array of friendly competitors that can help me produce those projects. And today's an example. I went to a, another competitor and picked up a small project for one of my clients that I couldn't turn around in time to meet their deadline. But my friendly competitor could, and so I utilize their services to service my client the best I can. And that's why it's so important that, you know, Atlanta's a big city. There's plenty of work for everybody. Uh, but learning how to create quality relationships, whether it's with your clients, your competitors, your vendors, your children, your wife, that's what's important in life and that's what provides value to the people you serve. Mark, there's an old saying that I use, and it's um, if you come from a place of giving, first and foremost, uh, you're going to be that much further down the road. And so in the end, the more people that you help get to where you want to go or where they want to go, you're going to get further to where you want to go. Because you, if you look at it as – that's not your competition. In real estate, we do that too because I train a lot of real estate agents and have given a lot of good advice over the years because we're all in the same industry. And when a buyer or a seller comes to me and they have a question, I will tell them, A, the truth, and I'll give them the whole truth. And if I can't service that client, then I'm going to look to somebody else. I gave away a $1.8 million listing in Blue Ridge because it didn't fit my profile. But I had another competitor, so say – um, and she did it and she handled it very well and everybody was happy and we all got it on the road. We Same shot thing. a lot of video there before you gave it away. We though. did. We did. Yeah. Shot <laughs> <a lot of laughs> yeah. You've got to make use of your assets too. Yeah, that was a great house. Well, and, and that is, I mean, that's a, I'm a firm believer in giver's gain. That's Ivan Meisner's little, uh, Ivan Meisner found B&I. And, I, and uh, I think that uh, it's true. I kind of, uh, Adam Grant does give and take. It's about, givers and takers and it's how you give uh with an open heart without intent mm -hmm. you know so if you give without intent uh basically it all it all works full circle and that's what makes a difference in our world yeah now let's recommend that book uh on the air here uh it's a it's a good one um you're one of your networking groups atlanta business right. growth team uses that as a model it's by adam grant it's called give and take right you know, chapter one is the difference between being a giver and being a chump. And the rest of the book is about how to accomplish that. Right. Right. Uh, but that's, that's the model for a lot of people out there. Right. Well, and it's, it's a very valuable and it's, you know, we've been in business for 48 years. Uh, next year, I, I swear we're going to make a profit, but right now, <laughs> uh, you know, it's all about giving and that's how you build your business is you have to give it's give to your customers, Give you know to your employees. Give to your team. Basically, uh, don't ask for for much in in return, other than you want to run a successful business, have opportunities to make a profit, 
not not every year you make one. Some years uh, it's pretty lean, but it's basically having the opportunities, and that's what's so great about America is that no other country you can have the opportunities like you have here, but you have to give. And you have to, to create those opportunities too. By It's just like doing this radio program. I mean, we stepped into this and uh, we didn't know where it was going to go. And, um, you know, you just got to take some chances in life. Still might not. Yeah. yeah. Still might not know where it's going. We're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. It's going straight to the top. Like I said to you before, you know, I'm, I'm here to help raise that bar. Yeah. Well, me, me and Joe Rogan, we like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know that David, uh, from other conversations, I know he got a tremendous amount of value and uh, from the conversations he's had with you, right. and uh, and he, that he really appreciates what you helped him do, and he's going like hair on fire over there. They, he is. He's he's doing. He gave a great me a little job. grand tour, and they've got like a twelve foot by twelve foot jet printer or something like that. It's crazy. Oh, it's it's a beautiful piece of equipment, and. There's not a lot of those pieces of equipment, that particular piece of equipment in the United States. Mm. And it can do things that are amazing. And by having a relationship with David and his company, I now have the opportunity to sell that product or service to my clients because David can produce it for me. And that's the value of helping others. And, you know, it, it, that's not why I help David, but David is a great individual and uh, but he is a friendly competitor, and he has equipment that I don't have, and I have equipment that he doesn't have. And it's well, this approach it's, that you're talking about. It, you know, it's been a theme for you. I mean, you're you're kind of uh-huh. all over the town. You're in a million networking groups, and you're in Trustegrity, the peer groups, and a few things like that. So, tell me a little bit about why you do that. Uh, well, first of all, it's better than having to pick up the phone and smile and dial. Uh, is because it's about creating relationships. Before I have an ask and before I, you know, I, uh, I kind of relate it to the Godfather. You know, people come in and say, Godfather, I have a request. Can you help me? And he helps them. And then they say, well, what can I do for you? Well, right now, nothing. There might come a day where I have something. There's going to come a time when I ask a favor of you. I'm going to make you an offer that's going to refuse. That's right. And, and that's part of it is, is that. You give without the intent, and if you ever end up having the intent of where you need help, you have friends there to help you. And it's all about creating quality relationships with those you serve. And that's what now, I do. I know you live this because I've walked into the Buckhead Club for meetings that I was supposed to have, and I've seen you there for meetings that you were supposed to have. And sometimes they didn't happen, and so we just sat down and did our own meeting, right. which is fine. Um so you 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 kind of operate this way, right? This is a daily thing for you. It is every every day, and you know it's uh, being flexible, learning how to pivot. I mean, we all had to pivot during COVID, had to learn business a different way, and that's how you survive in business: is learn how to pivot and to pivot quickly. And but building relationships. I mean, that's part of it. Is is when we're when you and I are out and we're networking, and I run into you in an event. If I know somebody that you should meet, I'm going to make sure that you connect with that individual. And I'm just going to just tell you is that Stone has done that for me over the years. It's, you know, he used to put on events all the time, and he made sure I connected with the right people. And I did not know that you guys knew each other when we booked this. That's right. That's right. So, uh, and but that's where yeah, the value I thought I was is. making a useful connection for you guys. Yeah. You are. Yeah, you still are because we, we haven't connected since – Pre-COVID, so. So we'll yes. call it renewing then. Yeah, renewing. Yeah. yeah. 
but it's all about being there, being present, understanding the needs of others and be willing to help others with their needs. And that's, you know, that's why I do golf for the kids, which is the charity golf tournament that we're in our 17th year with. Tell us a little about that. So, uh, I, we have a mutual friend, uh, Angie Rakup, and she basically started this, uh, on a whim, uh, 17 years ago. And her second year of having the tournament, I'd met her at a horse farm up near Dalton and we were in another group and, uh, we got to know each other. And I just mentioned that this barn smells like Kansas was where I grew up. And she said, well, what part of Kansas? And I said, you'd never heard of it. It's a little town called Neoche, Kansas. And she says, well, my great, great aunt is Neoche. And it's uh, amazing that we linked together. Well, she had this tournament. It was her second year. I said, well, let me do your signage. Let me sponsor it. I'll, play golf i'll play in your tournament i'm a terrible golfer but i'll play in the tournament and uh then the after that tournament she raised i don't know about seven or eight thousand dollars that year and i just said what are your plans on, on growing this and she says well i'd like to but i need an advisory board and i said well you know maybe we can find some people to help you and she says good you're on the advisory board and you know so 17 years later we basically raised money for children's health care atlanta the aflac cancer center and uh first fifteen thousand dollars goes towards their canine for kids program and we have a service dog walking the halls at joe his name is olaf the first dog we purchased or helped to purchase i don't think we purchased all of him but we helped to purchase him and uh it's all about giving back to the community that gives to us so uh, you know, uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with a quality life, a quality wife, quality children, and a community that really cares about what, what's happening around it. So, uh, so if I can give back a little bit, that's part of my uh, core existence and my passion. Now, Robert's a real estate guy. I know he wants to hear about your real estate deal. Yeah. you got an interesting real estate deal going. Well, uh, so uh, – it's basically it's under contract and uh it is with a uh, a nice company uh hopefully it'll it'll close it's about a year out it's basically next july uh it is when the closing is but it's uh we purchased a piece of property in west midtown 20 some years ago and so we could service all of our clients we had three locations we were paying rent at all three locations and we realized that we could basically invest in ourselves and consolidate uh, our print shop, our, our three locations into one. And it was a point where equipment costs so much that to put equipment and employees in each one of those locations, it was quite expensive. But if we put equipment and employees in one location, it was a little bit easier on us. Plus the internet was really start to shift and change in the printing industry. So it was a smart move on our part. We're over in West Midtown. We're about two blocks away from the Georgia Tech campus. We realized that when we purchased the the piece of property, uh, but we really didn't think that that piece of, I mean, at the end of the day, we thought, well, there'll be some money when, uh, when we sell it and, and maybe enough to help us retire. Uh, the opportunity is that 
my neighbors and I, we basically, we put our three properties on the market and uh, we had a, a significant company come in and, and made an offer. And right now we're, we're under contract, all the due diligence, the zoning, all those things have to be taken care of. But um, we bought it. When we bought the property, it's, it was a 12,000 square foot building and we have a tenant in half that building. So that tenant helps us pay the bills and produce income. And that's the great thing about real estate and participating in a peer group of industry specific peer group of other printers uh, from across the country. uh, We would look at their financials and their goals and, and what they were doing and all the really successful printers own their own real estate. So they were paying themselves. And over the years I've seen many of them retire. Well, their real estate was usually worth more than their printing company. And a lot of them would say, you know, stop paying rent to somebody else, go buy your own real estate. And we, after 28 years, we decided to do that. So better late than never, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> that, that theme keeps coming up all the time, doesn't it? We talk about that often, do we often, not? Often. Yeah. Yes. Creating and, wealth. And they're putting student housing there, you said? Uh, it, that's what it looks like. It'll be student housing. And, uh, and because we're, you know, two blocks away from the corner of Georgia Tech campus, uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's near the Howell Mill corridor. I mean, we're a block away from Howell Mill. Uh, right on, behind Star Metals office yeah, building. Right? we're right behind the Star Metals office building. And so it is a uh, prime piece of property. Uh, there's, I don't know, I want to say there's probably at least a billion dollars worth of development going on within a two-block radius of us. So uh, it's, a, it's a time where the opportunity arose, so we needed to move on it. What will we do? We... We'll probably find another building, invest in some more real estate, move our print shop, and continue to do business. Uh, find a few more tenants, and and uh, but real estate is is really the value of us being in business. The real estate was a side gig, so to speak, but it was we created as a separate company, a separate LLC, and it is uh, basically it's it been a long haul. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was a struggle early on to, to have that piece of property. And uh, then we had 2007, eight, nine come along and, yep. and it was, uh, you know, we bought the property in 2003. So we had about five years under our belt, but, but having a tenant, a quality tenant always helps. And uh, we found one and, and it's worked out well for us. If you look at some of the financials and some of the guys in commercial real estate bankers and, and whatnot are talking about a lot of opportunity in the commercial real estate world next year in particular. Um, I think there's going to – and Randy and I talk about it. Randy was looking for a property you know, to maybe put a, his business in as well. And in 2024, all of the major commercial real estate companies are talking about, well, office and shopping center space are in trouble. Right. For obvious reasons. There's going to be some fantastic deals to be had on the commercial side of our business next year. Well, and that's that's also, you know, the theory is is buy low, sell high. Sure. And, uh, you know, 2008, there were a lot of opportunities. And, you know, a lot of the national REITs came in and purchased single-family housing from the banks that were unloading it for pennies on the dollar. 
And now they're some of the largest corporations in our country right now. And they have thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of real estate that they rent. And there's a lot of money to be made, but it's also timing and, you know, it's having cash when you need to cash. Stateside, BlackRock, there's, you know, Vanguard. These are the three big ones right there. Right. And, and they are. And I just read something about BlackRock, uh, you know, and student housing. You know, that's that's where their industrial and student housing is where they're putting their investments. Yeah. They I, took I over the pension of, funds in California years back, yeah. and that started yeah. a, just a wave. Yeah. They're, they're so big. They, they're in everything. I mean, I worked with BlackRock back when I was at Starrett in New York, and, and, and they were buying Remington back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. They, if they can make a dollar on it, they've got experts – and they know how to do it, and they'll go in, and they'll pretty much pick up anything. I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, and but when you have to be available for the opportunity, and yeah. you have to take it, and yeah. it's like anything else, any other investment you make, it's it's a risk, it's a gamble, and you know, being an entrepreneur is a gamble. You, you, and you, you have know. to have the temperament for it too. That's right. Uh, my wife is she's she's a DBA, she's in technology, and I'm in real estate, so I'm a risk taker. Yeah. And so in 2008, I had 15 properties, yeah. you know, and we all know what happened there. And I'm wanting to push in my chips and I've got that steady on in my wife. She's like, I don't think so. I don't think it's the right time. Right. And I have a wife like that that always questions where where, where the money is invested. In, and um, it's important. You know, it's, it's a great feedback. Uh, for me, and it's also a reality check sometimes mm-hmm. uh, because I am an entrepreneur. I I do take risks on myself uh, and our business, but uh, I don't like to take risks on other people as much. I imagine that in the early days, you know, printing machinery and things were, were good for a long time. They're probably real durable and so forth. But in today's world, I imagine there are probably – Rapidly obsolete, have to be upgraded a lot and all that sort of thing. So how do you manage that now? So uh, automation is really the key is you don't purchase or lease a piece of equipment that's not fully automated. And if it's not uh, helping you eliminate, uh, and I I hate to say this, but a person uh, or help that person improve their skills and their job performance through automation. And, you have to have that automation, whether it be your website, your point of sales, uh, the actual uh, software you utilize in order to print the pieces that your clients need. And so I do a lot of variable data personalization, and you need those tools in order to produce it and produce it correctly and efficiently. Automation is the only way, if you're going to make an investment, if it's not fully automated and current automation. So three to five years, that software or that piece of equipment becomes obsolete. And whereas I used to be able to buy a Heidelberg printing press, you know, and they were very expensive, you know, three, 300, 500 million dollar printing presses. And I could basically run that press for 20 plus years. So my depreciation, the investment on those dollars, well, Unless if you have the workflow to capture your return on your investment in a three-year period, it's almost a uh, a no-go. Basically, you do not 
want to invest in something that you can't get your return on your investment. And the only way to do that is through automation and finding and, the right equipment. And you said three years. Is that a is that a critical? Well, start? it's uh, three years is really for for me in my industry. And and there's others that might say, well, eighteen months. Uh, I look at three years as as being that that kind of key because three years is when the software and the basically the uh, automation starts to become extinct. And if you haven't got your return on your investment within those three years, that piece of equipment will not get you the money that you need to get to the next level. If you haven't taken that and made that wise investment. So um, that's really kind of what I I look at as a three to five year plan whenever I purchase equipment. Well, so let me break this down because I'm a numbers guy. So you buy real estate or you have your rent, Right. So right. that's that's a big number. Right. And you have employee numbers. And then you're going to bring in a piece of equipment that's five hundred thousand dollars. Right. So your monthly outlay is extraordinarily high. Right? Yes. So you've really got to sharpen those pencils. You've got to know what to expect and it be correct. Well and and like I said earlier, is I've made a lot of mistakes uh, and learned from them and it's cost me a fair amount of money over the years. But I've also made some wise decisions, listened to my wife a little bit, and it's a situation where I've profited from it. And it's a little bit of it is luck. A lot of it is hard work. And yes, you have to look at those. You have to have your finances. And I, I would tell any business owner, you have to have a great attorney. You have to have a great banker. And you have to have a great accountant and they all have to work together. And on top of that is having someone help you with your financials, your wealth management and manage that and help you control those urges to go out and spend a million dollars on a piece of equipment that may just look really nice and shiny, but really doesn't have the work to justify purchasing it. I'm betting you know those guys. I do. I have a, I have a few and I have a few in the stable waiting for the opportunities to serve me, but uh, it is. So this rapid life cycle of these machines, right? Is that why people are leasing these machines more than buying them now? It is. Primarily. It's the, it's almost the number one reason is because they can, at the end of their lease, they can either have the option to, to purchase that piece of equipment if it's still productive or they can upgrade to the next newest uh, improved automated piece of equipment to uh, move forward. And most leases are three to five years. What happens to the old ones then? They're recycled. Uh, you know, basically uh, the computer boards are basically deleted uh, and scrapped. And uh, a long time in, in my industry, uh, when we've talking about the Xerox DocuTech is they were around for a long time and, uh, you know, I had a friend in the in that business, and he would buy twenty of them, and then he would Frankenstein them and sell three of them, and it was using parts from the other other eighteen or seventeen other pieces of equipment, and they would still be viable pieces of equipment to run. It's just that they weren't as automated, they weren't as current, and it's hard to compete 
basically in printing, it's very hard to compete if all you're still doing is taking your chisel and stone and hammering out your uh, your printing tablets. Gutenberg's no longer around. Yeah, Gutenberg's gone. But you know his product is. Yeah, yeah it is. Sure when, is. I was in, when I was in grad school, the, my degree program was a joint program with the business school and the school of architecture. So I would have to go over to the school of architecture for a bunch of the classes. And in their lobby, they have a case, a display case that back in the – 70s when they built it the case cost two and a half million dollars climate control thing and they have one of the remaining intact gutenberg bibles in there on display wow yeah it's a pretty amazing thing to look at well it's amazing it's it's what gave me a career so you know several hundred years ago it was developed and i still have a career in it all right here's an interesting question i think jordan peterson was the one he claimed that YouTube in particular, but that that method of using the internet to deliver information, but YouTube in particular was his was his his case, is as important a development as uh, the Gutenberg Bible was, and his his thesis was because uh, for the first time in history you could do two things at once, like listen to or listen to something or watch it while you're doing something else, and multiply your learning time and your skill developing time. What do you think? It's a valuable tool, uh, no no doubt about it. Uh, it's like using Google. Uh, it's like AI coming on board. I think AI is going to shift our our world and the way we do business dramatically, and it already has proven itself. But having these tools are very important. But knowing how to utilize those tools is where the, it's more important. So having a professional like you producing a quality video as opposed to something I'm just holding my phone and, and trying to video. That's not quite. So people aren't going to listen to it. People aren't going to view it because I'm moving it around. I'm my audio's not any good. It's not produced at quality. Now, some people that's okay for some, but the masses, it really well, is. You know, there's a market for everything, right? There's a market right. for casual video, just like there's a market for cheap hamburgers. Right. But, Good point. Professionalism shows that you care enough to get it right. And what happens if you start using your – and this is something I talk to people about all the time. Right. If you start using that cell phone, what happens is you very quickly reach the limits of what it can do right. and what you know how to do. Right? Correct. And so it's, it's, it's like if I tried to run – if I tried to go out and do some printing, commercial printing, with my little inkjet printer in my office. I could right. get away with a little bit for a while. I'm very quickly going to hit limits, right? Right. Same deal. Well, and it's it's what I tell my wife. I tell her this all the time. You know, the, the toilet needs to be fixed. And she says, well, can you fix it? And I said, yeah, I probably could. I'll go to Home Depot. I'll probably go in and, and buy something and then have to go back to Home Depot and buy a tool to do to utilize it. Let the plumbers plumb. Let the attorneys litigate. and Let the printers print. Mm-hmm. You know, provide the value and the services that you do and you know well and make it happen that way. It's and, hard to get that through to so many people, though. You know, people wrestle with that. But it, you're so right. That's so true. It, it is. And it's it's basically if you need a professional product, let well, the professionals do the, do the service. DIY is when you need to save money. You know, right. Professionals are for when you need to make your impact. That's right. So um, – You've got this networking thing going on. You're, you're all over town all the time. And we talked a minute ago about it being valuable to David and valuable to people. How valuable has it been to you? 
well, I've been in business for 48 years. And is that why? Uh, that's probably one of the major reasons. And um, I had this discussion this morning is that my brothers don't want me to print. They don't want me to go into the print. Even though I took graphic arts in college and I know how to run presses, I've taught people how to run presses, how to do design. And, and my brothers want me to go out and create opportunities. And when I'm in the print shop, they say, stay away from the equipment, pick up the phone and make those phone calls. Uh, you know, do what you do and do well, and it'll serve all of us. And that's what you have to look at is you have to, where is that networking allowed me to, uh, to grow? Uh, I'm able to raise a family. Uh, I have two adult children that have children. Uh, I have, you know, well, I no longer have a dog, but he was a great dog. You know, it's, what I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about networking. I'm passionate about serving others. I really am passionate about connecting others to opportunities, and whether that be revenue or just friendships. And that, I think, is what gets me up every morning. I've seen it to be true. The unofficial mayor of Atlanta, everybody, Mark McKenzie. Thank you for coming in. Thank Fantastic. you. Thank you both for having me. Yes, sir. And Stone, it's always a pleasure seeing you. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs>